Amen. Would you remain standing as we go to the text from which my assignment comes this morning? 2 Kings chapter number 13. I'm going to begin reading in verse number 14. 2 Kings chapter 13, beginning in verse, verse 14. Now Elisha had been suffering from the illness from which he would die. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him and wept over him. My father, my father, he cried, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha said, get me a bow and some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east window, he said, and he opened it. Shoot, Elijah said, and he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram, Elijah declared. You will completely destroy the Arameans and at Aphek. Then he said, take the arrows, and the king took them. Elijah told him, strike the ground. He struck it three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, you should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it. But now you will defeat it only three times. Elijah died and was buried. Today in our series 18, not the best year of your life, but the blessed year of your life. Because how many of you know blessing is better than best? Amen. To have God's best blessing on your life means that you'll have what's really best in life. And in this series today, I want to talk to you about how to align yourself to have the blessed year of your life. Because we know from Scripture that God wants us to have all of the blessings that He has in store for us. Deuteronomy 28 says, All these blessings shall come on you and overtake you if you hearken unto the voice of the Lord your God. So that means we have to align ourselves. And I want to use the instructions that Elisha gave to this king to give you four ways for you to align yourself in order to receive the best that God has for you or the blessing of God in 2018. And I'm calling this message, are you ready for it? I said, are you ready for it? That was a question. I'm calling the message, ready, aim, fire. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you speak to our heart? Would you make this word real to every one of us. We give you praise and honor. And everybody said, Amen. you may be seated. By now you know that 18 is the Hebrew number that symbolizes blessing. From a Hebrew perspective, the number is made up of two numbers. The number 8, which means new beginnings, and the number 10, which means divine order. And any time in life we get a new beginning or a fresh start and see life come into divine order, that is a blessing. And from a Hebrew perspective, they believe that 18 means blessing so much that in their most famous prayer, better known as the Amidah, really called the Shimonai Ezrai, they pronounce 18 benedictions over um, their lives every time they pray this prayer. It's their most frequent prayer play, prayed in church. Listen to the 18 blessings that they pronounce over themselves. The blessing of God shielding them or protecting them. The blessing of a fruitful salvation, the blessing of God's holiness, the blessing of understanding and discernment, the blessing of repentance, the blessing of forgiveness, the blessing of redemption, the blessing of healing, the blessing of God's goodness on the work of their hands, the blessing on freedom from bondage, the blessing of justice and godly leadership, the blessing of deliverance from their enemies, the blessing of reward, the blessing of God's compassion on Jerusalem, the blessing of God hearing their prayers the blessing of God's will coming to pass in their lives, the blessing of God's loving kindness, 
and the blessing of peace. And so because 18 means blessing, we've been preparing our heart and declaring over our lives that 18 is going to be our year of blessing. It's going to be the blessed year of our life. We've been preparing for it. We've been declaring it. The blessed year of our life over our faith. The blessed year over our life over our families. The blessed year of our life over our finances. The blessed year over our life over our church. The blessed year of our life over our marriages. The blessed year over our life over our children. The blessed year over our life over our dreams. The blessed year over our life over our vision. The blessed year over our life over our hopes. The blessed year over our life over our future. The blessed year over our life over our careers. You're not getting it, so I'm just going to keep saying it. The blessed year of your life. See, in order for you to receive it, you need to get ready for it. And listen to me. Even if it's not the blessed year of your life right now, you more than anybody else needs to say it and 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 declare it over your life. 2018 is going to be the blessed year of our life. But if it's going to be, we are going to have to align ourselves to receive all of what God has for us. And so when we come to our text, we find Jehoash, who is uh, the new king of Israel. He has taken over for his father, and sadly, he has followed in the ungodly footsteps of his father. He's a little bit more open to the things of God, but not completely. And um, he has a problem. He's taken over. The, the crown is a little too big for him. Has anybody ever walked into a situation where they felt it was a little too big for you? Well, listen to what Joash did, because Jehoash did, because it's what you need to do. He, he knew that in Israel, there was a prophet who would hear from God and give Israel the word of the Lord for how to defeat their enemies. And during this time, Jehoash and all of Israel was being surrounded on every side by enemies. They were coming at them from the north, south, east, and west, and they were threatening to wipe Israel off of the face of the planet. And so Jehoash, knowing that he was king and he was in charge of figuring out what to do, did what kings never do. When you're a king, you never go to see somebody else for advice. What you do is you call to them and they come to you to give advice. But I want you to notice in our text, and this is what you need to do if your situation is too big for you, Jehoash went to where the man of God is. Isn't it amazing what a little pressure in life can do? Isn't it amazing what a little problems in life can do? What a little affliction in life can do? It can close the distance that exists too often in our relationship with God. And instead of worrying about going on with our business, we want to get to where God is. And I want to tell you, that's something that's good about affliction. Affliction is not good in and of itself, but thank God when we're away from God and affliction comes into our life and it causes us to run from God. That's why David said, it's good for me that I have been afflicted because now I learned your precepts and before I went astray. Isn't it amazing when everything is okay, we just go on about our merry business, but as soon as life puts a little pressure on us, we know where to run to get to God. And I don't know about you, but I'd rather have problems and be connected with God than have no problems in life and be distant from God. You don't need to have both. You don't need to choose either. You can actually have a blessed life and be close to God. Amen. But so Joash goes to Jehoash, goes to Elijah, and he asks him, for some instruction. And Elijah gives him four instructions on how to align himself um, so that he can receive God's blessing over Israel. Are you ready to hear those four instructions? Yeah. Say, I'm ready. Yeah. Say, preach, Pastor. Preach. 
I need a little bit of help this morning, all right? First instruction he gives them, get ready. Notice with me. Jehoash, king of Israel, went down to see him, and he wept over him. My father, my father, he cried. The chariots and the horsemen of Israel, Elijah said. Get a bow, get some arrows, and he did so. Take the bow in your hands, he said, to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands, opened the east window, he said, and he opened it. What is he doing? He's telling them to get ready. And I want you to notice how Jehoash got ready. He went to the man of God to get a word. How many of you know in life there are always going to be all sorts of problems? There's going to be problems. There's going to be tests. There's going to be trials. There's going to be situations. There's going to be circumstances. There's going to be bad times. There's going to be low times. There's going to be ups. There's going to be downs. There's going to be all sorts of pressures in life. And when you have problems and pressure, the first thing that you need to do in order to align yourself to have the blessed year of your life is you need to get a promise that countermands any of the problems that are going on in your life. You need to get a word from God that covers your situation because there is always a word from from God to cover any situation that you have in life. That is the beauty of the Word of God. No matter what problems the enemy can throw you away, God always has a promise for that particular promise. And so what you and I need to do if we're going to get ready in order to have the blessed year of our life is whatever the problem is, we go and get a promise. So if the problem is lack of finances, you take your stand on the promise, my God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. If the problem is a broken heart, you take your stand on the promise, God is near to the broken hearted. If the problem is the loss of a loved one, you take your stand on the promise that says, in my father's house are many mansions and I go to prepare a place for you. If the problem is a physical thing, then you take your stand on the promise, by the stripes of Jesus I am healed. If the problem is low self-esteem, you take your stand on the promise that says, you are a masterpiece of almighty God. You got to make a stand on a promise otherwise the enemy will take advantage of you because that problem will just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger you got to take your stand on a promise you got to get ready by getting a word years ago and you've heard me tell this story before some of you more times than you probably care to admit and if you go to come to church here for any length of time by the way everybody should hear, hear their pastor's stories at least 10 times in their lifetime do you know why? That means you've stuck with a church for a long period of time. Can I tell you one of the things that, that moves people out from being blessed? Church hopping. Every time you uproot and plant somewhere else, you stunt growth. You take a plant, you plant it once, you leave it, you just keep watering it and watering it and watering it and water, soon that plant's going to get big. You take that plant, you leave it for a little while, water it, you uproot it a couple years later, put it someplace else, it's got to go through a whole other process again to get some roots. And then finally when it gets you, if you uproot it again and put it down, just because you don't like something doesn't mean you've been called to leave a place. Anybody hear me out there in Atlanta? So anyway, one of my stories that you all have heard before, um, I went to San Diego probably about maybe eight, nine years ago. I was on a, a book tour there preaching, 
And I took the family with me because it's San Diego. Why not take the family to San Diego, right? Best weather in the world, I think, is in San Diego. Beautiful. Anyway, we decided to go on a little trip to the San Diego Zoo. How could you go to San Diego and not visit the San Diego Zoo, right? And so um, because we were kind of like in a little bit of a rush and didn't have much time, we were privileged to get a backstage, I call it a back cage because it was a zoo, a back cage tour of all the animals. And so we were able to kind of cut the lines and up close and personal with the animals. And one of my favorite uh, times during that trip was when we got to feed the giraffes. And I learned a lot about giraffes. I learned that giraffes give birth standing up. Ladies, are you down with that? And the, the thing that's crazy about that is that giraffes, like the womb of a, of a woman giraffe, is about six feet off the ground. And so when that baby comes out of the womb, it's a rude awakening. It's like, poop. You talk about dropping a baby on its head. That, that's, that's what happens with a baby giraffe. And, and the baby giraffe is kind of lying on the floor there. And the mother giraffe comes. And the mother giraffe, are you ready for this, ladies? You're going to be thankful you're not a giraffe. Licks the baby clean. Ooh, come on. I remember when my kids were born, the doctor said, the baby just come out. The doctor said, you want to hold them? I'm like, clean them up first, please. Clean them up first, you know. Licks the baby clean. And then nudges the baby with its face to get up on its feet. And so the baby, it's kind of like one of those moments. Anybody remember the first steps of your kids? I mean, you caught them on film, and they'll forever be etched in your mind. And, so, and what do you do? You're, you, like, kind of stay nearby to make sure that they don't fall and hit anything. So you don't try to hurt them when they're taking their first steps. But the mama giraffe, right, the nudges the baby to get up on its feet. The baby struggles, get up on its spindly little legs and everything like that. It's, it's shaking and everything. And the mother giraffe looks like it's going to walk away, and then, bam! Kicks the baby. That's funny every time, ain't it? That's like a little Emerald Lagasse right there. Bam! And, and, and the baby goes flying. It gets knocked to the ground. And the mother giraffe comes on and, and nudges the baby up again. It's like, but you just kicked the baby over. Why are you trying to get? And the baby gets up again and it struggles to get up on its feet again. And the baby looks like it's going to be all right. The mother giraffe does the same thing and bam! And this process repeats and repeats and repeats until that baby giraffe gets up on its feet and stands without the nudging of the mama. And the reason for that is because in the jungle, the advantage of the giraffe is that it is Kareem Abdul Giraffe. It is the tallest animal in the jungle, and if that animal will take its stand, will stand like it's supposed to stand, that is what wards off other animals from attacking it. And God is saying this to us, if we are going to get ready to have the blessed year of our life, we are going to have to take our stand on the promises that cannot fail. Because when you take a stand on the promises of Almighty God, that's how you align yourself for the blessed year of your life. So number one, you get ready by getting the word. Number two, you get ready by getting a coach. Notice what, what Jehoash did. He went down to the man of God. He went down to get a word, get some advice from somebody who was close to God. See, one of the ways that the enemy keeps knocking us down and keeping us down is he isolates us. And if you get, that's why all, all the time what happens, and ladies, you've probably seen this before, when you're going through your stuff, like all of us going through our stuff, one of the things I guarantee you that people who maybe shouldn't have been in your life did try to isolate you from the people that loved you. Because if, if they can isolate you, if, if the enemy can pull you away, then you got no help. Then you're, when you fall down, you're by yourself to fall down. 
And so that's why God tells us it's so important for us to be in the community of the church, right? That's why it's so important for us in the church to not be Pharisees either. You know what I mean by that? That's why it's so important for us in the church to not be like when somebody expresses the struggle that they're going through, like, oh, but you're supposed to be a Christian. Like we ain't never did nothing like that before. That's because we need to be there to pick them up. We need to have safe places for people to express what they're going through. And so we need to get coaches. We need to get around people who can pick us up when we fall down. Remember what Ecclesiastes says, two are better than one. Right? Jesus said, where two or three agree on earth as touching anything that they ask, it shall be done for them by my Father who's in heaven. We need coaches in life, people who are going to speak into our life. And, and not just, and don't let anybody speak into your life. You know, test them a little bit. If they don't know what John 3.16 is, shut your ears. You know, oh, that's a sign they hold, hold up in the end zone at football games. Yeah, okay, I don't need you to speak into my life. Next. Right? Get somebody who knows the word, who you can trust, who, who you see fruit. Here's the, don't get a coach who doesn't have fruit. If they don't have fruit, the fruit of a godly life, they're not your coach. If they don't have fruit of a godly life, they may not be your friend. Hello? I'm preaching real good. This, this is a good service. I can feel you all pulling on me this morning a little bit. I can feel it coming through the airwaves all the way from the ATL. Atlanta, that is. So you need to get a coach. The next thing you need to do if you're going to get ready in order to align yourself with the blessings of God, you not only need to get a coach, you not only need to get a word, but you need to get under an open window. Did you notice what Elisha said to the king? He said, open the east window. Any of y'all remember? I hope this service remembers better than the other service. Any of y'all remember the, the series Stretch? You remember the series Stretch? Can I see your hand if you remember the series Stretch? Hold it up nice and high. If, if you don't remember the series, can I see your hand? If you don't care to respond, can I see your hand? <laughs> so you remember the series Stretch, and you remember in that series, I did a message called The Window. Anybody remember the message called The Window? Even if you don't remember, can you raise your hand just so I feel good? I need a little bit of help. Because if you don't raise your hand, I feel like whatever I say goes in one ear and out the other. Do you remember the message called The Window? <laughs> we talked about what the window was. The window is the primary place through which God sends blessing into our life. And if that window is closed, that God can't send his blessing into our life. And so notice what Elisha says to the, to the king. He says, open up the east window. Align yourself under an open window. And part of the reason why so many people don't receive everything that God has for them is because they haven't aligned themselves under heaven's windows. Malachi chapter 3, verse number 10, what does it tell us? It says, bring all the tithe... First 10% of all of our increase into the storehouse. What does 10 mean? It means divine order. It's no coincidence to me that God says if you'll bring me the first 10% of all your increase in life, I will create divine order in your life. Bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be meat in my house and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open unto you the windows of heaven... And pour you out a blessing that there won't be room enough to receive. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground before it's time. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And watch this. And all nations of the earth shall call you blessed. How? If you're under the open window. 
But if you ain't underneath the open window, how can you possibly experience all the blessings of God? Listen to me. This is not a money scripture. This is an alignment scripture. You see, here's the reason why. Because the word blessing doesn't even mean money. The word blessing doesn't even mean money. I mean, money's a blessing. Don't get me wrong. Some people say, well, money ain't no blessing. I just enjoy being poor. Money's a blessing. Trust me. It's a blessing. But in the wrong hands, it could be a bad thing. Money is really neutral, to be honest with you. It, it accentuates who you are. If you're cheap and you got money, you're going to be cheaper. If you're generous and you got money, you're going to be more generous. If, if you have issues, when you get money, you're going to have more of those issues because you're going to sow into those issues. If you do good when you have money, you're going to do even better. And so money can be anything. But, but the word blessing had nothing to do with money. This is not a finance scripture. The word blessing means good spoken words. It means God giving you the wisdom that you need to succeed in life. It means God shouting. It comes from the word benediction, good spoken words. How many could use some good ideas in life? How many could use some wisdom for how to prosper? That's what that verse right there means. And see, the Bible is talking about alignment, and the way to get aligned is to put God first in our life. And then when we put God first in our life, we get aligned so that he can flow blessings into our life. And I think what God is saying and what Elijah is saying to this king right off the bat is he's saying, don't block your blessing. Don't block your blessing. Why would you get in the way of what God wants to do? Get underneath open windows. Get in alignment. Get a word. Get a coach. Get under an open window. Get ready for what God has for you. Get ready. 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 Somebody have no idea what that means. My favorite preacher in all the world is Jake's, you know. So you get ready. Second thing you need to do is aim. Get ready. Aim. Notice what he says. Open up the east window. The east window. There's a whole lot of windows where they were. Because you don't say open up the east window if that's the only window. You just say open up the window. Right? Imagine somebody, one window in the house. Could you open up the east window? There was an east window. There was a west window. There was a south window. There was a north window. There was probably a northeast window, a northwest window, a southeast window, a southwest window. There was probably windows all over the place. And so Elijah tells him, he says, listen, open up the east window. Why the east window? Because Israel's enemies were coming at them from all around, from the north, south, east, and west. And here's what Elijah was telling him. He was telling him, you need to aim at the enemy coming from the east. Here's the reason why. That was the enemy that could do him the most damage. And here's the principle. Here's what God is teaching us. That if you want to have the blessed year of your life, you can't aim at everything. You can't have your energy diverted onto every single thing that comes your way. You've got to pick some things to aim at. You've got to pick some goals. You've got to have them to be very specific. You've got to prioritize the things that God has for you. And listen to me. That means you've got to be willing to lose in some areas so you can win in the more important areas. For example, you might have to lose in the work promotion so that you can win in the area of being a better father and a better mother and a better spouse. Because, listen, I know we like to be promoted but not do any extra work. You know what I mean? I want a promotion, but I still want to clock out at five. I want a promotion, but I want to still stroll into the office at 9.30. Can I tell you, you ain't getting a promotion? But you shouldn't take every promotion that comes your way. Because some promotions will cause you to win at work, but lose in stuff that's more important. Like your, if your kids are little, you know what? You don't need a job that's going to be consuming all your time so you can't be. Because your kids ain't going to be little forever. 
One of the greatest things, one of the things that I'm most proud of is that I never allowed church and ministry to take away from my family. It always came before. My family always came first. My family will still always come. I just want you to know, don't get mad at me if I'm not everywhere. You know where I am? I'm doing something more important. Amen. You might have to lose at the job promotion so that you can win at being the mother, the father that God wants you to be. You, you, might have to, you might have to lose at being right so you can win at having a good marriage. You know, if, if you're a type of person that's always got to be right, you're going to be difficult to be married to. Because I'm telling you right now that marriage is about losing a lot of the time in order to win the greater thing. You might have to lose at getting abs this year. I'm going to just confess some things to you right now. I have, I have decided I, I'm not going to ever have abs. <laughs> it took me a while to, to realize that I, I was going to lose at that area. I, I've now decided that's okay for me to lose. Because I don't have no two hours every day. I, I'm not, I'm not going to eat Brussels sprouts for the rest of my life. I want some eggplant parmesan. I'm still going to work out. I'm still going to watch what I eat. But I'm not going to work out too. I'm going to lose right there because i got to win on other stuff. i got to win at being a pastor. i got to win at being a man of God. i got to win at being a father. i got to win at being a husband. i got to win at, I can't, I can't be a gym rat. Now, if you're like 17 and got nothing going on, you'll be a gym rat. You know what's going on. You've got to be comfortable losing at certain things in order to win at more. There's a tension that exists between winning and losing that every person who ever has the blessed season of their life understands. Listen to the Apostle Paul, Philippians 3.8. Yet indeed I also count all things loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Doesn't one version say, count them as dung? Doesn't it say that, Pastor Tim? Is that right? What does dung mean exactly? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> and count them but dung. Why? That I might gain Christ. Here's what he's saying. I'm okay losing at certain areas so that I can win at other areas. I'm okay aiming at the right stuff. I'm okay with putting my energies and my focus into the things that are important. You've got to aim at the right stuff. You cannot win at everything all the time. And you cannot let the stuff that you shouldn't be aiming at distract you from the target that God has called you to hit. You cannot get distracted by gossip. You can't get distracted by rumors. You win when it comes to that stuff. I don't have time. I'm aiming. You can't get distracted by theological arguments that mean absolutely nothing. You win. I'm aiming at something. I got somewhere to go. Aim at the right stuff. Ready? Aim. Aim at the right stuff. Aim at the right stuff. Second thing, or the third thing I want to give you is the third instruction that Elisha gave to the king, and that's Ready, aim, fire. 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 Look at what he says here. Verse number 16. I told the first service from back here it looked like 13. I got up here, it came to be 16. <laughs> That's not nice. Some of you are like, well, Pastor, you're just getting old. No, I'm not. 
My youth is being renewed daily in Jesus. It's mounting up like wings with eagles. I shall run and not be weary. And I shall walk and never faint. 16 says, take the bow in your hands. Get ready. He said to the king of Israel. And when he had taken it, Elijah put his hands on the king's hands. Open the east wind window. Aim, he said. And he opened it. Shoot or fire, Elijah said. And he shot. The Lord's arrow of victory. The arrow of victory over Aram. I want you to notice what he says here. He says, if you are going to have the blessed year of your life, you not only need to get ready, you not only need to aim, but you eventually have to shoot. But you can't shoot any old way. You ever see somebody that doesn't know how to shoot a weapon? You know what they do? They just be, they, they, they do stuff like this. You know what they, you don't shoot like that. First lesson you need to know about shooting is that you need to th shoot through the right sight. Every weapon has a sight on it, and the sight is where you line up the, the, the where where the where the um, weaponry or where the ammunition is going to come out in order to hit the target. And, and so, if you look at the target and don't look at the sight, you are going to miss the target every single time. And here's what happens in life. In life, we look at our problem through the wrong sight. We don't look at it through the sight that God says to look at the problem. Instead, we get focused on the problem, and so we miss the target every single time. And so what does God say? God's saying you got to line it up through the right sight. What is the right sight? Notice what he says. He says, shoot that arrow, the arrow of the Lord's victory over Aram. You will completely destroy the Arminianites. What is he saying? He's saying, listen... You've got to look through the sight of victory. Even before the king went to battle, he declared that the battle was won by Israel. Even before you enter into the battle, you've got to look through the sight of victory. What happened when David went onto the battlefield to face Goliath? He said, this day, the Lord will give you into my hands, and I will cut your head off. I love it. He said, I'm going to take your head off. You ever hear guys say that? I'm going to take your head off, man. That came from David. There's, I'm a, he was talking smack, but he was looking through the lens of victory. He said, and the reason why I'm going to take your head off is because everybody is going to know that there is a God in Israel. There's a God in Israel. He doesn't save with the sword or the spear, but he saves by his mighty hand of deliverance. You got to look. You got to shoot through the sight of victory. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they were getting thrown into the fiery furnace, they said, hold on now. If you choose to throw us into the burning fiery furnace, oh king, we just need to let you know the God we serve is able to save us from the burning fiery furnace. What were they doing? They were getting ready to shoot through the sight of victory, from the position of victory. When Jesus was called to heal Jairus' daughter on the way she died, what did Jesus say when he got the report? She's not dead. She just sleeps. What was he doing? He was shooting from the sight of victory. You got to get victory in your sight. If you think you're going to be defeated, you will be defeated. You got to see it in order to seize it. And the way that you see it is by saying it until you see it so that you can seize it when the moment is in front of you. You got to shoot through the sight of victory. But then, please pull the trigger. People have lots of good intentions. Oh, this year, I'm going to lose 25 pounds. January 1st. January 2nd, 
I had a good day. I ate pretty good. January 2nd. January 7th, I slipped up and had me some cheesecake. January 8th, I slipped up and had me some more cheesecake. January 9th, I slipped up and had me four slices of pizza. January 10th, I had me uh, all-you-can-eat pasta at the Olive Garden. And all of a sudden, just because you had good intention doesn't mean that you are going to experience blessing. It takes more than good intentions. It takes putting some actions. It takes pulling the trigger. It takes not just praying, but corresponding that with actions. It takes doing something to your faith, adding something to your prayers. God ordained instructions to walk it out. There is always a step of faith in order to you to receive any promise that God has. And so you got to pull the trigger. When you shoot, you actually have to fire. Watch this, though. Second thing he says, not just shoot through the side of victory. Shoot through or with steadfastness. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says this. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your work in the Lord or your labor in the Lord is not in vain. What does steadfastness mean? It means persistence. It means to keep shooting. It means don't just shoot once. It means don't just make a resolution and decide that one day is going to be enough to turn your whole life around. Nobody's life crumbles in a day and nobody's life comes back together in a day. It takes consistency, repeated action over and over and over and over and over and over again. That mounts up and begins to snowball. And I just felt the Holy Ghost tell me to tell somebody, just like bad decisions snowballed in your life, good decisions will also snowball in your life. And when good decisions begin to snowball in your life, they will eventually produce a destiny that cannot be stopped. You got to keep, keep shooting. Notice this. Elijah says, take the arrows, and the king, the king took them. Elijah said, strike the ground, and he struck the ground three times and stopped. And the man of God was angry with him, and he said, you should have struck the ground five or six times, then you would have defeated Aram and completely destroyed it, but now you will defeat it only three times. Elijah died and was buried. And this is a troubling text. This is one of them texts that makes you go, hmm? But, but you said struck the ground, and he, he struck it. But listen to me. The man of God said this. He said, go. He said, get. He said, take. He said, open. He said, shoot. He said, strike. But he never said, stop. You didn't get that. Let me, let me, let me give it to you again. The man of God said, go. The man of God said, get. The man of God said, take. The man of God said, shoot. The man of God said, strike. But the man of God never said, stop. And here's what was happening. Is see, see, you can't just come out one time and do something good. You got to keep going. Strike, 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 strike. Don't stop when the going gets difficult. Don't stop when there's a lot of pressure in your life. You got to keep going. Strike, 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 strike. Don't stop. Do you know what Elijah did? Elijah did. He predicted, watch this, the outcome based on the individual's effort. Isn't that amazing? I, I, I could tell just by, by looking sometimes where somebody's going. If it's a little difficult and it keeps them 
from doing what they're supposed to do, I know that, that, that they're in a, a season of still getting ready. They're not in a, in, in a season to be launched yet. Because if they launch, they're going to be a dud. Because tough times come to everybody. Everybody experiences tough times. And it takes somebody that has a little something-something on the inside of them that's going to keep striking and keep striking and keep striking and keep striking and keep striking. And this is what God is saying. This is why. And somebody said, well, why, why did he say, why did he get mad? Because he, 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 he only struck three times. Why did he say you should have did it five or six times? And you know what a lot of commentators believe about this is because that's how many arrows he took. What is God saying? God is saying throw everything you got at it. Don't, don't, don't leave anything you got on the table. Don't, don't die full. Die empty. Leave it. Uh, die, die trying. I mean, it is better to fail trying than fail. Leaving it all on the inside. Throw everything you got on the situation. What do you got? You got a gift? Fire. You got a talent? Fire. You got resources? Fire. You got connections? Fire. You got a promise from God? Fire. You got influence? Fire. You got wisdom? Fire. Shoot, 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 shoot. And keep on shooting. Ready, aim, fire. And don't stop. And, and don't stop. But can I be, can I be real for you, with you for just a moment? How many's ever got ready, aimed, fired, and missed? Can I, can I see your hand? It's amazing how that happens. And then, then God began to speak to me about this. He said, there's, there's one more key to alignment in the story that doesn't fit into your nice little neat sermon title. I was, I said, God, couldn't there be one more word in that expression? Because I, I need four. God said, no, no, that's okay. Keep it ready, aim, fire. I give them one extra. Are you ready for the extra? Yeah. Say, I'm ready. I'm ready. Say, preach, pastor. preach, pastor. The fourth thing. The fourth thing is reposition. Reposition. Did you notice what it said when the king got out the arrow and the bow and opened the east window? It says that the hands of Elisha were laid on top of a king's hand. I need some help with this. Brian, come on up here for a second. I know you're proficient in weaponry. Give him some, give him some love for helping me out. I want you to, I want you to pretend like you're going to fire something, whatever, a bow, a gun, whatever you want to fire. But don't just point it at nobody who you don't like, okay? Just, just fire. Like, make believe there's a target, you know, up there, right? Are you a lefty? Wow. You're switching it up on me. That, that, that kind of confused me. By the way, see how he went lefty on me like that? Did you know there's an actual scripture in the Bible where it says that, that God crossed his arms? Did you know that? God was supposed to put the blessing on the sun over here instead of the sun over here. But the Bible said that God crossed his arms. Aren't you glad that sometimes God crosses his arms? Aren't you glad that sometimes when the blessing looks like it should be here, that God said, no, I'm going to put the blessing over here. That's why you can't always judge the book by its cover because God will take something that don't look like it should be blessed across his arms. That's another sermon right there. Go ahead and, go ahead and get ready. Now, I learned when, when I was learning how to, how to shoot, okay, um, that 
Did I say stop? You didn't, see, you didn't, he didn't hear the message. He didn't hear the message. He, he was, you know why it was tired? His arms were getting tired. See, see, it's easy when your arms get tired to, to stop. That's why you need some coaches who can hold your arms up. Man, you're making me preach, buddy. You're making me preach. I learned when I was, when I was learning how to shoot, my, my coach, which, by the way, was Pastor Richie. Keep your eyes on the target, not on me. See, that's your other problem. Some people, you, you, you start looking around at all. You can't, you can't win at everything all the time, bro. You've got to keep your eyes on the target. And I learned my coach was Pastor Richie. I'm, I'm doing this on purpose now to see how long he can hold his hands up like this. <laughs> he would watch me shoot a little bit. And, and I had this tendency, maybe you had this tendency when you first started too, that whenever I would shoot, I would, I would do that with the, with the, with the weapon. And, and I would miss low because the natural, you anticipate in the recoil on the, on the weapon. And so I, I'd do this. And so what Pastor Richie did when he was teaching me how to shoot is he came over beside me, and I was, I was looking at him like, bro, you're getting a little close. <laughs> he, he came over beside me, and he, he put his hands on my hands. And you know what he did when he put his hands on my hands? He, he, he repositioned me just a little bit. He made sure that I, I stayed where I needed to be. He made sure I stayed in my lane. He said, if I was off talking, he moved me to make sure that I was. And then, then he said like this, now go ahead and fire. And it's amazing when his hands were on my hands, how I was able to shoot better. Thank you. And, and here, I asked the Lord. I said, Lord, help me preach this. Uh, see, because see, there are many times in life where we get ready. And we should because God wants us to. And we aim because God expects us to. And we fire because that's part of the instruction. But we miss. And the reason why we miss is not because we're in the wrong place at the wrong time. But it's because we need a little repositioning. And so what happens, here's what I've learned. That when we will do our part, when we will go all in, when we will get ready like God wants us to be ready, when we will aim like God wants us to aim, and when we will fire at what God wants us to fire at, that the the hand of heaven will come and put its hand on whatever it is that we're doing. And when the hand of heaven gets on what you're setting your, your target at, you are going to obliterate that target. It's called repositioning. Watch this. You heard, about, you heard about Peter. He was in a boat fishing all night. And he caught nothing. And here's what I found out about Peter. He was in the right boat on the right water. But he was in the wrong position, on the right boat and on the right water. And so Jesus called out from the shore. Jesus didn't even know him. And he said, yo, my brother, bro. Maybe he didn't say bro, but. He said, throw your net on the other side. Now, now Peter could have said, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. What are you trying to tell me? Don't resist the adjustment. He said, throw your net on the other side. Peter went over, same boat, same water, threw his net on the other side. He, he, he gave in to, he submitted to the little repositioning. He threw his net over, and the Bible says that when he began to pull up his net, he couldn't get it in a boat because in that net there were so many blessings too heavy for him. He needed help pulling in the blessings. See, if you and I will just not resist the repositioning, if we will ready, aim, fire, we can trust that the hand of God will just say, no, tweak right here. No, tweak right there. And see, Peter ultimately was not meant to be a fisherman, but that was his training. And right now, some of you may be in training. 
Right now, some of you may be in the get ready. And can I just tell you this? Sometimes your get ready looks nothing like your release. Sometimes, Mr. Miyagi won't tell you why it's wax on, wax off. So sometimes he won't tell you why it's paint the fence. But there's come a time when you're going to need wax on, wax off. When you're going to need paint the fence. Just get ready. Just aim. Just fire. And trust the hand of heaven and just put his hand on you. Now watch this. If, if that doesn't bear witness with you, I'm getting ready. Hang in there a little bit longer, everybody. tuning in outside of the church, especially our, our new people in Atlanta. We love you. Get ready because this is what God wants you to hear. You remember the story of, of David and Goliath? David got ready, didn't he, in the field, tending the sheep when nobody else was looking. His get ready didn't look anything like his, his assignment. And when he was in the field, he killed a lion and a bear. He was getting ready. He didn't know there was a Goliath in his future, but he was getting ready. And then he went to the battle, and, and he aimed, didn't he? He got five smooth stones. Can you see him right now? Probably more like this in Bible times. He aimed. And he let that, that rock leave that slingshot. And if you listen to the way most people tell the story, the way that they tell the story is that rock left that slingshot and it hit Goliath right in the middle of his forehead, the only part of his body that wasn't covered by armor. I don't believe that story. Not one bit. That's not what happened. I guarantee you that's not what happened. How do I know? David wasn't that good. I don't care how good you are at the slingshot. You ain't going to hit somebody in a spot that big. Now can I tell you how it really happened, the story. David got ready by tending the sheep. David aimed by getting his slingshot up here. David let that rock go. But somewhere in the process of his ready, his aim, and his fire. Do you know what I know happened? I know that there was a hand of heaven that came like this and said, uh-uh, release from here. See, you got to understand that if you will do everything that God asks you to do, that the hand of heaven will come and just say, no, no, over here, and you will align yourself for the blessings that God has for you. Get ready, aim, fire, and expect the hand of Almighty God to make up for all your inadequacies and everything you can't do on your own. Would you stand to your feet?